Hello everyone and welcome back to the Sustainable Business Covered podcast. ED Senior Reporter Matt Mace here. Have you missed me? No? Well, absence does make the heart grow fonder and it's only been a matter of hours since I last spoke to you, so I won't take that as an insult. It's day two of the forum and in truth it was just hours ago that I actually last spoke to you all. Um, I am suffering from a lack of sleep, but my voice seems to be remarkably intact, which means the production quality of this podcast shouldn't suffer as a result. So what does day two feature for the forum here? It starts with some insight from E.ON UK's Chief Executive Michael Lewis, who is discussing how businesses need to adapt to deliver sustainability leadership. In fact, if you listen quietly, you might be able to hear him over the tannoy right now. But later on in the day, we're asking the power of why, not why did I open that extra bottle of wine last night, but rather why of a business purpose and strategy. That one, in fact, looks like a particularly strong session. It features O2, VF Corp, Innocent Drinks and The Body Shop. Um, And as far as brand messages go, um, Innocent Drinks has a real strong one with their hero of change. It's a really innovative framework where all members of staff have to adopt a sustainability role in their title and essentially act on it. It's on the ED website if you want to check it out, and the author of that piece is me, so obviously I recommend it. And later on today, uh, we get into all that exciting stuff that everyone loves. Innovation, disruption, evolution, transformation at scale, essentially. There'll be some real blue sky thinking there, but also speakers will address the real barriers that are in the way of the low-carbon transition. But that's what's going on in the sessions, and I am trying to bring you stuff outside of the sessions, something a little bit different. And with a bit of luck, we'll match the last episode in terms of interviews and insights. And while we don't have an awards evening to finish up on, we do have some more time this episode to provide some real practical advice from businesses and organizations leading the charge. So let's go see who we can find. Okay, so we are now in the first break of day two of the forum, um, the morning session. We, we heard from Eon's chief executive. Tried to grab him for a quick chat, but he had to uh, scurry off. Clearly, more important things to do than talk to me. I don't blame him. And someone else who has more important things to do than talk to me, but is going to talk to me anyway, is um, Caitlin Crouch um, from ING. Caitlin, thank you very much for um, agreeing to this quick chat. I know you've got workshops to, to be in, so I won't keep you. But, um, You've been here at both days of the events um, so far. Um, how, how have you found it so far? It's been a fantastic event so far. I'm really uh, happy to see everyone um, really being so candid and open and very honest about both the good and the challenging things that they're confronted with. So um, it's been really insightful, taking a lot of notes. And you've got to take notes as well, but you also got to um, present uh, on the first day as, as well. Um, deciphering the essentials was one of the key kind of themes of, of your chat. But what did, what did you take from, from that session that you were involved in? Yeah, it was a very interesting session. We were looking at how can we set a new baseline beyond 2025? How can we really bring things forward as organizations? And it was quite some differing views um, I think uh, everything from you need to con- take you need to take forward all the considerations of your stakeholders. Uh, lots of engagement sessions. For example, Coca-Cola. He says that it's. Uh, I think Joe, it was vice president uh, at Coca-Cola. He mentioned how it's so important to 
actually it is a core business uh, of sustainability practitioners to understand uh, the demands of our stakeholders and to take that forward within our practices. And while this is uh, indeed, I, I would agree with, with Joe, my presentation was a little bit um, trying to convince the audience of a bit of a less conventional approach, namely understanding indeed what our stakeholders are saying, but trying to yeah, really uh, whittle that down into the areas where you as, a, as an organization can make the most impact. So trying to focus, indeed deciphering the essentials out of that and, and trying to bring forward the things that, that matter the most trying to focus on the, as few things as possible so that rather than, and I think this is one of the key, sta uh, key takeaways, rather than moving a millimeter in a hundred directions, that you can really make huge leaps in one or two areas that matter the most. I think that's a, that's a really key point and obviously you know, your, your role is essentially a stakeholder for a lot of the businesses as, as a representative of ING. And I find that some sustainability professionals have a hard enough time trying to trying to move within their own company internally. There's a lot of discussions, perhaps a lot of resistance. Not so much now as perhaps a couple of years ago. But um, does does the view of the stakeholder give a sustainability professional real ammunition to to push the agenda up the boardroom if they can engage with key stakeholders and say, look, this is what this is what our people who are vested in our company are, are wanting action on? Yeah. So I think. The external dialogue is so important. Uh, as a bank, um, I think someone mentioned it already uh, in the last session, that banks do indeed fall kind of at the bottom of the Edelman Trust Barometer. So as a sector, we have a lot. Um, to, we really need to engage our stakeholders and understand what is it that can really uh, well earn the trust of, of our various stakeholders. Um, and and that's, that's an ongoing challenge. And it is indeed a balance between wanting to hear them out wanting to engage as much as possible with our stakeholders and still being able to do that which matters most um, both to our company and, and the core business that we are engaging in. So as a bank, I mentioned yesterday, we are engaged in almost every sector of the economy, which means we have an indirect impact on so many issues, so many topics, all of which are very important both to us, both to the society, uh, and to our stakeholders as well. So um, it's, it's really a balancing act and something that we are continuously getting better at. Um, I think this last year was a particularly challenging year um, as ING was involved, very, very small part, but we were involved in the uh, Dakota Access Pipeline. Mm -hmm. uh, we were one of the, the banks in the syndicate, but we were the first bank to sell uh, the loan as a result of stakeholder engagement with the, the Sioux um, tribe. So we directly met with members of the Sioux tribe. We heard them out. We asked them, how can we be a part of the solution? We did completely disagreed with the way things were being handled. Um, and so we partnered with them to bring forth a solution. And so that was a really fantastic learning curve, even for ING, for how really understanding the, the issues and the problems that our stakeholders are facing and how we can actually be um, a part of a solution. So we made a big statement by being the first bank to pull out of that loan to sell it. Um, and I think the Sioux Tribe were really happy 
with with that uh, outcome. So. That's, that's really fascinating uh, kind of insight into into those how those conversations work. And obviously, ING now has just announced that kind of hundred million euro so like loan for essentially sustainable projects. So, if if a business were to come to you with a proposition to access some of that funds, what what kind of how would you want that conversation to go? What kind of facts and stories would you want them to bring to the table? Yeah, so that is a really, um, it's a big announcement, yeah. 100 million euros uh, of, of investment, an investment fund. And ING, is, as you may know, is, is not uh, an investment bank. We are a traditional commercial bank. Mm-hmm. Um, lending services is our, is our main activity. So to have this ability to be able to um, provide equity for companies that wouldn't necessarily be eligible for senior financing. Um, it actually opens up the it actually opens up the, um, the the possibilities for us to be able to engage with clients that we wouldn't normally get to engage with. So this means that we can work with um, less, let's say. Um, Oh, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, conventional uh, companies um, that have new ideas, new innovations that we can actually put a bit more um, support behind than we normally would. So it's really exciting. It's moving into a little bit of a, a newer space for ING, one where we hopefully can can make a, a big m- impact and side with, well, companies with uh, innovations, with business solutions that really are the future um, that may not have really been um, accessible or might not have had access to senior finance, but now we get to be a part of, of bringing those things forward, so it's exciting. Yeah, it sounds like really exciting times, and um, I'm sure we heard the tannoy that we've been ushered along to our workshop, so I won't keep any longer, Kane, but thank you uh, so much for your time today. You're very welcome. Thank you, Matt. Okay, so... Day two is in um, full swing, and I am faring pretty well considering the lack of sleep I had with the awards uh, last night. Um, and I've just been joined by my second um, interviewee of the day, and fresh off his session, actually, um, he was he was sitting on stage, really kind of delivering um, the importance of, of a brand purpose, and that is O2's um, director of sustainability and corporate responsibility, Belez. I'm glad I got that on. Uh, got that first time on three hours sleep so uh, Bill thank you very much for agreeing to this chat um I suppose just a, a nice broad question to start with how, how are you finding the, the the event so far yeah well actually I was at the awards last night and I, uh, I yeah I got a little bit more sleep than you Matt because yeah. I knew I was speaking at yeah. nine, nine o'clock in the morning um but we yeah f- we we had some good news because we won um a, a, the O2 NSPCC course, yeah. uh, charity partnership award yesterday which was really good but it, I mean I think the award last night was very inspiring and again as always with these things hearing what other companies are doing and and the approach they're taking sustainability is always inspiring gives you fresh ideas in, fires you up to go back into the business and try new things so I think you know EDs both in terms of the awards but the forum is playing a, a, good, a really good role in just you know exciting and inspiring people of course yeah and obviously congrats on that award it must be um quite nice as a speaker to go up and, and start talking and be like actually you know this i proved this works here's, yeah. here's the trophy yeah. essentially um and and as mentioned you were you were discussing kind of that importance of, of brand yeah. purpose and um obviously o2 has done a lot of stuff of that especially on that csr side like yeah. mentioned with the charity work you've done with the o2 think big kind of stuff yeah. um and how 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 are you and the sustainability department really kind of mobilizing that internally how how do you get the staff to to believe in in this purpose that that you have essentially searched for i suppose over a few years i mean i think always the most important thing for sustainability professionals is 
integration with the core business strategy and purpose. So making every day better through personal experiences that count has different aspects to it. So it's not a purely sustainability purpose. It affects how we treat customers in different ways. It affects how we work with our colleagues and what we do in communities. So I think the, the important role for sustainability professionals is not to try and own all of the purpose, but bring to bear what what you do and what your team does to the purpose. Because what we've found, for example, if you take the model of customers, colleagues and communities, actually sustainability can be a brilliant proof point across all three of those. So for example, with the O2 NSPCC partnership, we're helping our customers with online safety advice. We're enabling our co- colleagues to be inspired because they're part of an amazing cause that's supported by you know brilliant charity but then we're also out in communities across the country doing workshops on online safety with NSPCC so again I uh, what what you can do is actually make purpose more meaningful and that's where you can get I suppose incredible buy-in across the business so that that's always would be my advice don't try and own all the purpose bring the power of sustainability to bear as one of the pillars of purpose or one of the proof points of purpose. Yeah, very nice, nice strong opening there. Quite, <laughs> that's really good. And um, you mentioned uh, you're bringing it to consumers as well. And, and with with kind of CSR as, as a whole strategy, it is usually yeah. built on those kind of that, that social, environmental uh, and profits pillars, yeah. aren't it? And uh, I imagine for consumers, the, the social aspects really of a strategy and a business is yeah. really important in, in yeah. purpose. But is O2 finding that, that perhaps that environmental aspect, is that is that something that customers... Uh, are really asking for do they do they view o2 as this kind of sustainability leader in that sense and and want to be educated on this type of stuff and, and if so how are, are, are o2 kind of mobilizing that i mean i think what our consumer research shows is it what's interesting is and i speak as somebody who's been in, involved in the green movement quite a long time if you you know there were there's been big waves of consumer awareness so you had a big wave back in the late 80s you then were in the run-up to the 2008 crisis. There was a big a second wave, I'd think of what I'd call environmental awareness. And I think what you're seeing again with things like concern over plastics is it's mm. building again. I almost see a third wave um, tri- really building again. Um, and I think what you're finding with customers is customers expect comp- companies to be environmentally responsible. So what you do whether it's o2 recycle in our case or eco rating you have to just make it visible to the customers but i don't think um we're over the era where you should be expecting to have a pat on the back Mm. because you're doing environmental things i think the challenge for you as a business and think on things like climate change we're we're looking at how we we can develop a a science-based target linked to the 1.5 degrees um goal um is you've just got to push your push your agenda forward um, because it's the right thing to do. I think customers expect it. And I think the a wave of awareness over things like plastic, I think expectations will go even further. So I, I, in a way, I think um, the, br- the brief for us um, is, is, is just to keep pushing the boundaries in, from an environmental perspective and, and doing the best we can for our customers. And um, 
Yeah, the O2 recycle stuff is is, is um, something I've I've covered quite quite a lot yeah. on the site. Yeah. I think I spoke to um, I think it was Rhea Hall. Rhea. Yeah, yeah. Rhea. Um, and and she like really good up and really proud of that initiative as yeah. as obviously you should be. And as you mentioned, with the plastics and the whole resource efficiency piece coming yeah. coming up as a real main player, um, we've seen a lot of businesses who've had these these initiatives in place, like regarding plastics, the amount of announcements we've had, yeah. like this retailer will cut this amount of waste. Uh, and not all of them are actually announcements. Some of them have just been, they've been in place for a long time, but that consumer desire to hear about it hasn't been there. So yeah. we're almost in a place right now where everything wrong with the world is creating this actual ideal place to to try like showcase what these businesses are doing and and in the, in line with pushing the ambitions further you know in internally are are people coming up to up to the same department going oh you know i watched um i watched blue planet the other day yeah. what what are we doing about plastic waste or or are they demanding more or right now in internally as well it's like for for departments that perhaps aren't as intrinsically linked to the sustainability department I mean, I, th I think they, people are very aware of that, and I was I was discussing it with um, a, a kind of a friend colleague here, um, because I, th I think what we were discussing is there's kind of two aspects to what a company does. There's kind of big material things you do on environmental issues, but often there's important symbolic stuff like do you have um, permanent cups on set, mm. reusable cups on sale in the work, work canteen cafe. If you buy a um, coffee with a reusable cup, is it cheaper? You know, it's do you have um, water refillers that make it easy to to fill out your water bottle? You know, there's a, there's mm. so there's I think for our, for our people there's an intersection between the big you know doing stuff on the big material issues, but also getting the small things right. So if they see that you aren't actually making a positive contribution on plastics just because of the way you're running the cafe yeah. at work that will have a negative effect. So I think in some ways actually, um, and I remember when, we, when I first came into O2 and we did a lot of research, both with customers and our, our people, there were a huge amount of kind of synergies and alignment between what our customers wanted and what our people wanted. So they, they, they've got quite high okay. expectations of you. And yes, with stuff like plastics, definitely. They, the, you know, the the expectations of people just because they're employees doesn't mm. mean they aren't going to be as high as your customers. In fact, I think they probably will expect even more from you as a business. Well, that's that's brilliant here. And and you mentioned, um, you know, about about getting those kind of science-based targets in place and and scaling up that ambition. Um, I think I already know the answer to this based on what you just said. But is is that something that like internal conversation that they go, oh yeah, this is amazing. This is going to be this is a really um, great discussion to have. We could have this really lofty uh, target in place, which we don't quite know how to hit. Or they're going, let's just let's just slow let's just slow down. Let's let's put targets we can hit in place. How how do those conversations go? I mean, I think I think it's a, again, it's a it's a balance of you. I think with your people, you need the targets that are very concrete and affect the day to day. So like like we were discussing, like O2 recycle, mm. you know, practically. Um, you know, one of our O2 employees can make a material difference by encouraging somebody to recycle a phone, mm. choose a greener phone using eco-rating or not take a charger out of the box. So there's some practical things they can do, but then you're connecting them to the wider context of things like climate change and setting bold targets. And obviously with things like our network, our network uses quite a lot of energy. Energy efficiency is is, is really important to the business. So again, I think it's, it's part of this thing of having a narrative where you're you're connecting you're 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 connecting let's say this 
the consumer-focused initiatives through to the bigger stuff that you're doing on climate change. And if you can get that story right, and that's why, in many ways, for me, purpose is really important. It enables you to, to have this narrative that yeah, stretches from the, consu- the kind of, let's say, the, the, the one-to-one consumer issue right through to a global mm. issue. Okay, well, yeah, that was um, really insightful, and um, I appreciate that you've, you've got places to be right now, so I won't, yeah. I won't keep you any longer, but yeah, Bill, thank you very much okay. for your time. great. All right. Thanks, Matt. Okay, so it is lunch on day two of the forum. Um, you might be able to hear from the, the buzz of noise uh, below me and the, um, the energy back in my voice. I, I've had some food, some vegan food again from Meat Through Mondays, which has, which has woken me right up after, after the lack of sleep. Um, and it's been a, a really interesting day so far. I've heard a lot of stuff all from kind of getting this boardroom buy-in all the way to um, brands like Innocent Drinks and the Body Shop finding their purpose. And the, the delegates I've spoken to, they, they, feel, they feel really positive. They feel like they've got a lot of ammunition to take, take home and take back to the company. The issue is they now have to try and embed uh, their, their learnings. And behavior change is one of the big issues, which is why I'm hoping my next uh, guest on the podcast will be able um, to help me. Um, I'm sure those, some of you remember um, Alexandra Stubbins. Um, almost a year ago to the day, um, in essence, that you, you, you came into our studios on the podcast. So, Alexandra, thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast. Very welcome, Matt. Um, and Thanks for having me. And for those that don't remember, Alexandra, um, you co-founded the sustainability consultancy um, Talic & Co. Um, and I, I suppose the, the correct terminology is you're a professional coach on sustainability, <laughs> strategy and change. And that includes um, 15 years experience of teaching and research with Ashridge Business School. Mm-hmm. And you've been chairing workshops for the last two days. Um, I, I just sat in on one and I'm going to read the description which was put up in the, uh, in the delegate guide, which was aiming to disrupt the status quo, get buy-in from senior managers and budget holders, inspire colleagues and customers, develop champions and create meaningful culture change. So um, in your four 45-minute slots, have you been able to uh, answer all those problems? Or Oh, yeah. So one of the first things we said is you know, we need to be realistic about expectations. It's a real holy grail, isn't it, to try and do all those things. And realistically, what can you do in, in 45 minutes? But I think well, the first thing that we did was to reframe the idea of communication for behavior change as engagement actually what we're interested in if we want people to change their the habits and their actions you know, what is behavior ultimately mm. it's the way in which we act time to time is the habits and routines that we follow if we want people to change those then we need to start by engaging and starting with with an understanding so through the course of the session we were really trying to reframe a a number of things so from communication to engagement from broadcast communication to inquiry and then thinking about the the coaching and change skills that uh, sustainability practitioners themselves can be using to engage people People at an individual or at a large group scale uh, in the in the the informal as opposed through as opposed to going through the the formal channels of uh, let's say intranets and and newsletters and so on but actually thinking about the water cooler conversations the discussions that go on around the the coffee makers if we can intervene and start to to work with people to explore what matters to them it's a good first step to being able to engage them in a conversation about sustainable values and and it sounds like that is in essence switching it from from that comms piece that you mentioned to a almost a personal conversation whereby you understand what makes that individual tick? How they how they react to certain certain news? Um, I mean, obviously, 
I think it's, I don't say practically impossible, but it's very hard to get everyone on board with a, with a sustainability initiative. There will, be, there will always be some that just don't understand it, ha, don't, don't have an interest um, in it. But in terms of a, a broad engagement strategy, um, what ones um, have you found to, to be, you know, work the best, essentially? Well, I think the ones that I've been involved with that I found most impactful took took an engagement approach and we use uh, we use a lot of tools and techniques uh, from uh, an approach known as appreciative inquiry mm. so that's really about understanding uh, what is it that you want to create more of uh, so perhaps that's engagement around sustainable values maybe that's people paying more attention to the impacts they have through the way in which they work maybe you want to encourage them to come up with innovative ideas to drive efficiency and waste out of the system whatever it might be uh, but starting with um, exploring with them what what are the um, opportunities that they have what have they tried in the past what's worked for them and giving them a platform to be able to talk about what's effective for them what are the strengths that they can build on uh, and using we use large group processes so we might get two three hundred people in mm. a room together we've done this with thousands of people uh, to get them to share their ideas and actually start to build on them and get them doing the work we can't tell them what to do they mm. can work it out we just create the the platform and the space for them to be able to have that conversation Okay, and, and in terms of conversations today, um, obviously, and, well, and yesterday, of course, you, you've been sitting in, you've been chairing these 45-minute sessions, um, and it, they have been interactive in the sense that you want them to, to share their ideas. I see all the post-it notes um, up over the wall. Um, how how have the conversations been in these events? Um, has it been they that the the delegates have been come in looking for specific solutions, or do they just want more knowledge on on how to start shaping this engagement piece? Well, I think they probably want both of those. And I think they want a, a degree of comfort and confidence that they are trying a lot of the right things as well. You know, so often we can be, um, we can come along to events like this and we can watch the, the guys on the platforms who are, are speaking from organisations that have access to mm. large amounts of resources. Perhaps they've been doing this for a long time. Okay. And you can sit in the audience and maybe feel a little bit like, oh, well, you know, I... But the, you know, there are lots of things that are stopping me from being able to do that. So actually coming into a session like this and being able to share with other people their own experiences, I think, can be, can be very satisfying. And um, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts. Um, when I was sitting in on, on the table and we were discussing what kind of methods work for us, I didn't say anything because I'm a journalist. I'm just there to, to scribble notes, essentially. But I was trying to think of an example of how we've... Not, not so much engaged with employees, but engaged with delegates and, and help them be more sustainable. And I think I mentioned the vegan meal earlier, and that was essentially choice editing. Mm. We've done it with there's no plastic cups here, there's no there's no meat. So we've essentially choice edited as as an engagement piece. We're lucky in the sense that the people we've talked to are clearly interested in about it. But um, um, how how do you view these kind of I suppose they're more out of the box type approaches to traditional kind of in, engagement pieces. And and is there a place for um, each of them being combined together to form this one kind of, I suppose, this arsenal of, of, of tools. Yeah. Well, I think um, 
my my experience in research suggests that the, the 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 campaigns and the efforts that are most effective are the ones that are most closely aligned to the existing culture of the organization so uh, if you take a, a media organization for example using um, using social media using giving people uh, the opportunity to to film and share their stories is something that works very well in that kind of culture but if you take that into an engineering firm or a, a more conservative uh, financial services business that's that's not going to mm. work so understanding the culture that you already have and and working with the grain rather than trying to work across it you know, we talk a lot about uh, disrupting the status quo but sometimes actually that can can work against yeah, us yeah. and maybe one of the first things we can do is actually really understand what are the values and the the sort of the loyalties that people have in the organizations they're in what are they trying to do what are their pet projects you know, what does success look like to them and coming alongside them uh, and giving them an opportunity to bring sustainable values into uh, into the projects that they're working on okay brilliant that's really really insightful and mentioned obviously that um, you were on this podcast about a year or so I think it was a year and probably a little under a month ago um, and we were it, it was it was yeah. the first week of January yeah. and I think I was still recovering from the, the new year <laughs> didn't feel at all with it and um, I think we were just discussing I think it was just the general set same to do it was all about you know New Year's resolutions and, and whatnot I'm not going to ask you to make a, a resolution don't worry but um, we, we kind of discussed and there was a lot of optimism in the room a year on a lot's changed um, um, obviously um, we, we've kind of taken steps forward with the Paris Agreement, we've taken steps back with certain um, big political announcements. Right now, plastic waste is all the all the rage at the moment. Um, so when you undoubtedly appear on next year's podcast, I, I feel this is pretty much a regular occurrence right now. Um, what, how, where do you see the sustainability sphere in a year's time? What do you think would have come on, essentially? I think that's a, a great question. I mean, certainly when we spoke... Uh, a year and a bit ago and yeah. I, I was um, I think I managed to anticipate the rise of veganism the massive yeah. rise of veganism and, and and I myself having been vegan for a while before that knowing all the challenges around it uh, really excited to see how how that's taking off I think what we're seeing is um, and the way in which it feels to me like sustainability with a capital S mm. is is rapidly being replaced with a much more um, cross sort of societal and um, uh, engaged uh, engagement with questions like what do we do about plastics yeah. you know, what do we do about energy uh, and and in spite of the the, the furore that's going on in our kind of geopolitical space and the conversations that are happening at Davos right now uh, in fact the the really exciting stuff is happening very locally uh, and I think we're seeing more and more kind of um, social entrepreneurship coming from the ground up so I my um, my hunch for, for this year is that we're going to see a lot more of a, a groundswell of, of localised action um, from uh, from across the UK. Brilliant. That's really good too. I think there's certainly been a, a lot of, yeah, uh, I think from the consumer facing aspect of it, a lot of demand for action. I mean, you know, with the plastics, that blue planet was that, I suppose, that groundswell of, that wasn't quite local, but it was just this national uh, groundswell of, of desire and, and demand for action. So mm. I think that's, yeah, hopefully that is on the cards because that's, that consumer engagement is really going to help businesses try further. Um, but Alexander, I, um, I appreciate I have interrupted uh, your lunch, so I will let you get back on with it. But, but thank you very much uh, for, for chatting with me today. Thank you, Matt.
pleasure. So the uh, the two day event is is almost at an end, um, but delegates are, are still still flocking there. They're in the workshops at the moment and enthusiastically collaborating to to discuss issues ranging from the SDGs to how we capture the attention of millennials. Um, and and during that time, I have I've I've had a chance to sit down with. Um, and ever present of, of this event, um, as mentioned, I haven't been able to sit in too many of the sessions, but I, I'm speaking to someone who has been pretty much in, in every session right now, and I'm speaking to the, the chair of the Sustainability Leaders Forum, um, Mr. Simon Cohen. Simon, thank you, firstly, uh, for agreeing for this podcast, but secondly, for, for taking time out of your schedule to, to um, inspire a, a room full of sustainability leaders. Well, thank you for having me. Obviously, um, for, for people listening to the podcast, the, the name might ring a bell, but, um, but who you are and, and what you do might be a little bit vague for them. So could you sure. just explain your, your journey and, and why is it you are essentially your chair in this event? Sure. Well, if you Google Simon Cohen, um, you'll see that uh, the former Mr. Universe, and I'm not that one, <laughs> um, <laughs> just in case you were confused. Um, uh, so I, I used to run an international communications agency in the social change and sustainability space. Mm-hmm. Um, representing people like His Holiness the Dalai Lama, His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales, Gandhi's grandson, and even Wallace and Gromit. Um, And it was great, um, except for the fact that I wasn't really sustaining myself. My sense of well-being um, dropped. I was in hospital for a little bit. I was close to burnout. And I was spreading global tolerance all around the world, but missing uh, so much... Uh, with my wife and uh, with my close friends and they weren't really feeling the tolerance, (laughs) the uh, respect, the dignity, all of these values and virtues that I was espousing uh, through and with our clients. Uh, It wasn't being felt close to home and so I decided um, to give away the company uh, through a new uh, exit strategy um, which was a lot of fun. It was a (laughs) harder in practice than I imagined, but um, uh, in terms of letting go of the company that you love. Um, but then I, uh, I'm now a stay-at-home dad and work with a Buddhist master and also do some broadcasting and event hosting as well. Brilliant. And obviously, you because um, you, you spoke at this event, obviously, yeah. last time last year, and I think it was all about that, that finding yourself, finding your, your, your purpose at the time. And I think a lot of um, the people I've spoken to at the forum so far this year have have resonated with that purpose aspect of it. They they are proud for the companies they work for because their companies now have a purpose or have developed a purpose over time, mm-hmm. and they I think they're proud of their job role because it, they feel invigorated. We we saw the word clouds that you've been mm-hmm. um, asking them with through through the sliders. It went from excited to to inspired. Yes. Um, as as someone who's sat in on and, and chaired all the sessions, um, how how have you how have you seen the mood change or lift throughout the event? Well, I, I have seen people inspired. I, I would say that um, being excited about organizational purpose is one thing. Reconnecting with your personal purpose is something altogether. Mm. And I discovered that when, when you let go, um, if you, when you exit your company, as you inevitably will, and you lose that organizational purpose, what's left? Mm. And so... Um, I think the the Leaders Forum is also an opportunity for people to reflect on their personal why, not what they do, but why they do it. What's their personal connection and stake in their organization's purpose? Um, But I found the the conversations really stimulating, the questions really um, 
engaging and I've learned a huge amount. Yeah, and um, that, that whole personal purpose thing really resonates for you. I was sitting in on the, the Global Action Plan. They were there with their youth um, advisory panel mm. today and they were basically explaining that the new workforce coming through aren't going to be in jobs for, for life. They'll, they'll move around two or three years trying to find their purpose through companies they work with. And I, I get the feeling that the sustainability sector is is better at that personal element. They they, they put their person, they put their character mm. into their job and, and see it shine through. And, I mean, we saw um, in the first day with Chris Cook from Axonobo essentially dropping that kind of mic bomb that he was trying to make him his, his role redundant, which I don't think you'd get in many other job sectors. It, it shows the... Um, the, the flexibility that, that sustainability professionals um, have. And that was probably the key moment I'm taking home at the moment. What about yourself? Is there, is there anything across the two days that, that's really resonated with you? Yeah, well, a lot of what you've just said absolutely resonated. It was interesting seeing a few slightly uncomfortable looks when he was talking about sustainability <laughs> managers yeah. and himself being uh, becoming obsolete. But of course, he was talking about embedding sustainability yeah, throughout all of our business models. I was really um, taken by and taken aback by um, the talk on modern slavery mm. and um, learning that there are tens of thousands of slaves in the UK and tens of millions uh, globally. And as a dad to two little girls, um, trying to think um, how much I love them and how much I would never wish them to be in an environment where they would be trafficked. Mm. And that to think that there are children and parents going through this on our doorstep, I really felt that really hit home for me. And I feel a, a deep sense of responsibility to learn more about modern slavery within the, the UK, but then to do something about it. And I think that's one of the, uh, the, the more interesting things about sustainability as a, from a journalistic point of view, is, is such a myriad of, of things that they have to cover. And I think that's why events like this and, and the awards are, are helpful because it gives them a chance just to get inspired as, as, they've, as they've put. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, obviously, sustainability it was your your comms aspect and now you're you you're kind of more branched out more kind of holistic and you cover a lot of bases is is there something you take home from these events that you that you use on a personal level or perhaps you would you, you know is this something you would encourage to your two children for example yeah well one one of the 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 key themes and i don't know if there's an answer to this but for for the discussion so far has been on one side an argument around essentialism mm. you know where so sustainability there's 17 sdgs Go with what is essential, what serves your business purpose, focus on one, two, uh, maybe a few more if you've got the HR and the resources to do so. Um, and rather than move a millimetre in a hundred different directions, move a mile in one direction. So there was mm -hmm. that one, one uh, argument. Another side, which is look at all of them, look at them holistically, look at the connections between mm. them and why the SDGs and sustainability matters right now and I don't know if there's an easy answer for that I think that for for, for me um, I'd like to take some of both of those things and pass them on to my daughters that that focus is really important mm -hmm. and understanding where your visceral and personal connection to sustainability and social goals what that feels like and go with where your passion is but at the same time take a moment to step back and see how that particular piece fits in within the wider mosaic because that's that's mm. the why of that mosaic piece it's, it's for the why the bigger picture and never lose sight of that as well and and if you're going to offer a bit of advice to to um a sustainability professional um 
it can be quite easy to get swept up in kind of business jargon and a very professional outlook on on hitting reduction targets or line interest strategies yeah. hitting ma um, materiality matrix but on a on a personal level which is something <clears throat> you're very good at, at kind of presenting what would you what would you advise them to do to, to make their jobs more kind of fulfilling and worthwhile and their purpose stronger well I think that the the first question I'd ask is um, how do I sustain myself what sustains me hmm. and also con um, conversely what depletes me and to have that personal, individual introspection and look at personal strategies to let go of that which depletes me and to, um, to attract more and plan more of the stuff that sustains me. Mm. And I think that that is so important because unless we model the sustainability, there's no point talking about sustainability if you've got bags under your eyes, <laughs> you're stressed out, it's just not credible and authentic. Mm. So if you want to talk about sustainability in an impactful way, in a persuasive way, model it through your sparkly eyes, through your passion, through manifesting the balance um, and the, the, yeah, the balance that you wish to see in the world where we've got symbiotic relationships with our inner environment, with our external environment, and it's all working in harmony. We need to live in harmony with, our, with ourselves mm. uh, first and foremost. So what sustains you, what depletes you, and then create strategies from that. Okay, um, well, I'm going to take that advice on board and, and stop talking about sustainability because I, I feel like I have bags under my eyes, how tired I am. So, um, <laughs> Simon, thank you very you much for your fine, time. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And breathe. That is um, what they say in Job is a wrap. The, um, the two-day sustainability um, leaders forum has come to a close. We, um, we saw it out with uh, a very, very interesting panel. I think it's fair to say um, likes of Interface, IKEA and BASF all kind of there, all kind of sharing their visions of a, of a future. Um, Atkins as well, um, very tailored to London, which was, which was great to see. That's where we are. Um, I'm about to leave London. Uh, I feel I've been waiting to say that for, for two days now. Um, I'm on the way home, but before I do, um, we are going to wrap up this podcast in, in the way it should be wrapped up with, uh, with the ED team gathered, gathered around me like a nice warm fire. So I've, uh, with me, I've, I've got a, a reporter, George Ogilvy, who's been typing furiously away throughout the day, and our content director, Luke Nichols. So, um, guys. It's good to be back. I think this is the first time we've been together, all, all three of us around the mic, for about um, probably about six months or something, isn't it? So, mm. yeah, welcome back, guys. Um, yes, uh, yeah, it's been a fantastic um, couple of days. I suppose it's probably a good point to just wrap up and provide a couple of highlights, I suppose. For me, it's, I mean, it's an obvious choice, I suppose, but... Um, uh, the most recent session we were just in that concluded with that Mission Possible discussion was fascinating. So we had a Mission Possible workshop here at the forum um, where we got a lot of the um, speakers to um, to co-create the sustainable business of the future and we had a scribe in the room so they, they sort of recorded it graphically um, and the outcome and output is just fascinating so we'll, we'll make sure that's tweeted out um, with the hashtag SUSLeaders so everyone should check it out because that's that and if, if you wanted one thing that just sort of encapsulated the feeling from across the past two days I think just that graphic alone that's come out of that one workshop was was pretty inspiring and that's my input yeah it looks um I, I you know I, I managed to see it for the first time today and 
Um, the, the scope, the skies, the, the scope and the sides of it are impressive, but the, the messages that are kind of hidden amongst all the kind of cartoons are very impressive. So, yeah, that's one to watch this space uh, for our site. George? I think uh, just to touch upon the point that Luke made, the workshop, um, I've been in for both days, and it's just fascinating seeing from right at the start, we had a blank canvas, you know, what does this sustainable business of the future look like? Um, there's a lot of uh, interesting points made by some, you know, the lead, the real leaders of this agenda. And it, I think it, the the point that I took away was we don't know where we're going to go. Who knows what the world's going to look like in 12 years' time? But <clears throat> the fact is, we need to have certain qualities in place for ourselves, and it's the courageousness, um, bravery, um, conviction in our views, uh, not just fit among the people in our room but to translate that to um, you know the business leaders and um, uh, fellow employees and I think it seemed like we're getting there um, I'd like to see where this is going to go in the future but I come away personally inspired by it all. Yeah I would add I think that same point that point you made about there being a kind of personal aspect of the mm. discussion was something I also found across the last couple of days that's maybe differentiated this sustainability mm. leaders forum from previous years is that there's it's got that additional um, aspect to it as in there's real conversation in the room from some of the presenters uh, about the personal skills and requirements of, of sustainability leaders nowadays and how they're changing and moving with the times. The session we had at the start of day one about the sustainability manager potentially becoming obsolete mm. or at least the role changing quite significantly and what that means for the skills or kind of um, requirements and approaches that must be taken by those people in the room was just fascinating to see and, and, and sort of consider and think about because you don't you don't often you often you might not come to a conference thinking that you're going to actually potentially be inspired from a sort of personal mm. perspective but that seems to have been the case with this one which is is good it's fantastic yeah there was a real there's a real sense of, of purpose was probably one of the buzzwords of, of this forum mentioned quite a lot and not just from a business perspective but a personal one and i'm glad you mentioned the um the making the sustainability uh, leader obsolete session i think that was the one that i, I took on the most um not not so much the, the discussion they had as insightful was the fact that you know uh, one of the delegates simply put his hand up and was personally um almost almost insulted by the idea that his professional government obsolete this is this is a, more than a job for most of the people that that do this daily and um you know hopefully mission possible captures that aspect of it as well so I think that's probably a good place to wrap up because I can hear the drills going in the background and that's not good podcast audio. No, no one wants that. Um, so I'll, I'll quickly run through the, the usual end of podcast spiel about the fact that this is available, of course, on uh, the iTunes website from the ED website and that obviously this has been the first of two episodes back for 2018. And we have some very interesting um, ideas in the pipeline. So watch this space. We'll be back with Green Room interviews. We'll be back around our, our comfy East Grinstead offices um, before long soon. So until then, it's um, it's a goodbye from content director Luke Nichols. Goodbye. Goodbye from reporter George. Goodbye. And a goodbye from me, your host for this uh, two-day journey. Goodbye. <laughs>